0: Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Game Grid Lehigh. Game Grid Lehigh is an amazing place to buy and sell Magic the Gathering singles. Whether you're building a new cube or crafting your new constructed deck, Game Grid Lehigh is the place to do it. Got a draft coming up with some friends? Buy some seal product here and get it quick. So click the referral link in the description to help out the show. And don't forget to use the code DRAFTPRO10 to get 10% off on your next order at gglehigh.com. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm going to be discussing green black in Brothers War. As always, the uh, notes for this episode are available at Patreon.com/slash/DraftingArchetypes, and let's get into it. So, weirdly, I have four trophies so far in this format, and all of them have been with decks that contain both green and black. Sometimes with another color, sometimes not. And a vast majority of my drafts have involved both green and black. I don't think that this is a conscious choice. I don't feel like I'm trying to be green-black in particular, but I happen to have uh, been past a very large number of Skyfisher spiders, and I think that it's a very good card. Uh, The stats support that, has like a 72 and change win percentage on 17 lands, And I don't know if a lot of players are avoiding green black uh, more strongly than I am or what, but I'm willing to draft green black and I have had maybe an average of more than one spider per deck. So uh, I've drafted green black a lot. I think green black is pretty straightforward and Uh, Most green-black decks are structurally pretty similar to most other green-black decks, which means that more than in some cases uh, 17 lands stats for green and black cards, once you filter for in green-black specifically, are relatively uh, appropriate and informative. Notably, something like Emergency Weld is like an average black common overall. But then if you filter for green black specifically, it becomes one of the top black commons. And I think that's correct. I think that emergency weld is an average black common in aggregate that's particularly good in green black. The primary reasons for that being that uh, green black has Skyfisher Spider in particular. They play very well together. Uh, If you have emergency weld in your hand or deck, you don't have to exile the Skyfisher Spider the first time it dies, and then you can weld it back, and then you have the 1-1 to sacrifice to kill something else. Or you're also playing uh, a lot of self-mill usually, because both the 1-1, mill 3, get a land, uh, the Blanchwood Prowler, and the Gigamol, the 4-mana uh, 2-3 that mills 3 and then finds a creature. Both of those are relatively good, particularly in green-black so you end up doing a good amount of self milling which helps enable the emergency weld to find whatever you're looking for uh your strong uncommons and rares mostly but also just commons that are good late like uh boulder branch golem the seven mana six five that gains life equal to its power and prototypes for four three in a green to uh be a three three so Emergency Weld's improvement in Green Black is kind of emblematic of what Green Black is about. Very typical Green Black things, grindy graveyard stuff where you're finding and reusing your best creatures. Overwhelming Remorse is easily the best common in or out of Green Black. Green Black uses it particularly well because Green Black is better at filling its graveyard, since you have other cards that want you to do that and those Mill cards that I talked about, uh, as well as just like playing and blocking with Blanchard Prowler or whatever. Also just green, black is, uh, as usual looking to trade creatures whenever possible. Whereas another archetype might be trying to like use tricks to keep their creatures in play through combat or use removal to kill the opponent's creature to get creatures through for damage without trading them off. Uh, green, black is basically happy to trade, you know, similar mana value creatures, uh, basically all the time which means that the remorse gets cheap faster also because you're planning to play a longer game you really uh, need to have answers to uh, more expensive more powerful threats especially those with evasion so overwhelming remorse best black common in general particularly good in green black i would also argue that overwhelming remorse is just kind of the strongest common in a vacuum uh, that doesn't make it like the winningest in this set, since that's a function of, you know, how good the decks it goes in are, how good the support is, how good the other black commons are. But head to head for whatever it's worth, Overwhelming Remorse is just an amazing limited card. I guess that's... M- really more significant for sealed where a large portion of pools that have a rolling remorse are going to want to splash it or play black to use it or whatever. I guess next I'll get into the top commons according to 17 lands in green black. So this is just purely basically like reading off what 17 lands says, been criticized for doing that sometimes, but I think here it provides relevant context in terms of like, what cards we're looking at, the best commons in green black, Gothian Opportunist is the top performing. That is the three mana three two that makes Power Stone. Certainly green's best common basically anywhere, arguably the best common in the set, followed by Overwhelming Remorse, the card I was just talking about, Boulder Branch Golem, the gain life prototype creature that I mentioned earlier. Blanchwood Prowler, the one one that mills three to find a land that I mentioned earlier. Epic Confrontation, one in a green sorcery, give a creature plus one plus two and fight another creature. Gaia's Gift, the one in a green instant that gives Reach, Hexproof, Trample, Indestructible, and a Plus One Plus One Counter. Emergency Weld, the raised dead that can also return artifacts and gives you a one-one artifact. Gix's Caress, the coercion, two in a black, look at your opponent's hand, make them discard a card, that also makes a power stone. Scrapwork Mutt, the creature that unearths for one and a red, two mana, two, one, ETB, discard a card, draw a card. Ravenous Gigamol, the four mana, two, three that mills and finds a creature, moment of defiance, two and a black, instant, give a creature plus two, plus one, and lifelink and draw a card. Or Gothian Sprite, two mana two two that you can spend seven mana to put a two plus one plus one counters on it and it can't be blocked by artifact creatures. Disfigure uh, and Scrapwork Rager, the four mana two two that when it enters the battlefield you lose a life and draw a card that unearths four, three and a black. I'm a little higher on Scrapwork Rager than that, but for the most part I uh, largely agree with that order, which... You know, as I've mentioned, I think it makes sense that I would agree with the order because I think most green and black decks are doing pretty similar things to each other. So, you know, the aggregate performance is also going to match kind of like the individual performance of a particular deck or of a the way that a particular player is drafting green black because they're relatively unlikely to be doing something wildly different from what most other people are doing. Next up, top uncommons, very straightforward. Skyfisher Spider is the best one in green black, followed by Obstinate Bayloth. And then Ashnod's Harvester, that's uh, the 3-1 that exiles a card from a graveyard when it attacks. Notably, it must do that, even if your opponent doesn't have a graveyard. You then have to exile a card from your own graveyard, and it unearths for one in black. Incidentally, Combat Thresher and Hero of the Dunes are also in that top five, but with very small sample sizes because you're less likely to have them in green-black decks because they're really best if you're splashing them. but When you do have the mana for them, they are certainly really strong cards that are in line with what Green and Black is doing. And then notably, Argothian Avenger is the next best. That's the artifact creature that you can spend a mana and give it minus one one until end of turn to get a bunch of different keywords, which is incidentally consistent with a theme that I have noticed and would like to highlight in green black that makes a lot of sense, which is the importance of life gain. That gets us into what structurally and strategically is happening with green black in this format. This format as a whole is extremely aggressive. Red and white each individually and particularly together perform very well. And uh, a lot of the best performing cards are like one mana aggressive cards, uh, both one mana creatures and one mana tricks. In general, in this format, cheap, aggressive cards wildly overperform. And green black is not really about that. So green black has to understand that it's approaching an aggressive format from the position uh, of kind of an outsider. Um, It is not, you're not trying to join them. Uh, You don't want to become an aggressive deck to play an aggressive game against other aggressive decks, you want to prioritize cards with the understanding that for the most part, you're trying to beat aggressive decks, which means that life gain is really good. And green and black has a lot of it. Notably, life gain is the correct way to defend yourself because uh, a lot of the good aggressive cards are kind of good at doing like some burst damage, but not necessarily good at persistent damage after that. For example, Goblin Blast Runner, the one mana 1-2 one, that gets uh plus 2, plus 0, and Menace when you've sacrificed a creature, or a card rather, permanent, is going to get some extra damage, but at some point they're going to run out of things to sacrifice, and it's just going to be a 1-2, and it's not going to matter after it gets some damage through. Uh, Similarly, unearth represents just like some extra damage, but not extra sustained board presence. So if you have uh, some life gain, you can kind of weather that unearth damage without needing to like block it with a real creature or whatever. Also, I mean, just you know in general green and black has like large creatures and card advantage and stuff and is pretty good at like stabilizing a board but the creatures are a little bit more expensive you're going to start on the back foot a little bit and then your opponent could have some kind of tempo spell or removal spell or reach you know a damage spell to close the game before you turn things around and the more you can gain life the more you close the door on your opponent being able to do that so you want to really Try to keep a healthy life total by blocking where you can and also just by prioritizing uh, these life gain effects. We're talking Skyfisher Spider, Obstinate Baloth, Boulder Branch Golem, Moment of Defiance, and our Avenger are all uh, very strong cards. And this deck really relies on having those, playing them, uh, sometimes letting them die, getting them back, playing them again, and... That makes it really hard for the aggressive decks uh, to close the game. And the other spot that you can find yourself in um, is where, where you do have to race is if your opponent has a lot of evasive creatures. But if they have a lot of evasive creatures, your creatures are going to be quite a bit bigger than theirs. So you can, you know, attack them. They attack you. They can, like, chump block or, you know, use whatever tools... The smaller flyers usually use to try to win races against larger ground creatures, but your life gain is going to offset enough of the like damage from their smaller flyers that you can often win the race. Yeah, I think that it's if you underestimate the life gain cards um, and you don't prioritize them, I think your black green decks will struggle to stabilize. But if you uh, prioritize all of those cards very highly, I think it's not that hard to be well positioned against the aggressive decks that comprise the majority of this format. Incidentally, when thinking about ways to defend yourself in green-black, common strategy, especially if you're in a deck that's looking to trade creatures, would be to use Death Touch creatures. There are some in this set and they're not very good. Death Touch isn't offered at a great rate, uh, just straight up, and more importantly, Almost all of the combat tricks trump death touch, which is often not the case. So if a a trick gives, you know, just like plus three, plus three, plus two, plus two, something like that, then your death touch blocker can ignore and invalidate that combat trick, trade with whatever they would, you know, hope to use a combat trick to save. But in this set, Lauren's escape and Gaia's gift both give indestructible and military discipline and the whirling strike both give first strike. All four of those tricks are going to just invalidate death touch. So, given that a lot of the aggressive decks are trying to use those combat tricks, trying to block with a death touch creature is worse than normal. So, the uh, one one, the prototype artifact that uh, is a two mana one one death touch or a more expensive five four death touch. Or the um, Spider, the common 2 3 reach death touch that puts a card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's deck when it dies, are both uh, a little bit worse than they might be in other formats at defending you because death touch is relatively poorly positioned against the tricks in this format. Speaking of, you know, tricks, uh, Gix's Caress, the coercion that I mentioned. Uh, I think plays particularly well in this format, particularly when paired with life gain, because the information that it provides about the tricks that your opponent has is really valuable. Uh, I think that there are a lot of slightly narrow tricks that are pretty easy to use in high leverage situations. And in general, tricks are pretty good when um, you are a player, like, tricks are good for you if you have smaller creatures and your opponent has larger creatures, uh, which is, you know, kind of the exact dynamic that uh, the green-black player is going to find themselves up against. Uh, the opponent will have smaller creatures and combat tricks. They're going to look to use the combat tricks to make mana-positive exchanges with the green and black blockers. And if you have Gex's Crass you can figure out exactly which tricks you need to play around and uh, you know, take a trick that's going to be particularly problematic. So just like the combination of being able to you know, take the time to look at your opponent's hand and make them discard a card because you can take a hit and then afford to get the life back because of your life gain lets you uh, really leverage Gix's Caress against aggro decks, where a card like that would usually... Be pretty bad against Aggro decks. You generally don't want to spend three mana to not affect the board in that kind of matchup. But here, you get a bit of a ramp spell for your trouble, and you potentially get information that will like let you uh, engage in combat a lot more profitably in the following turns. Again, not ideal for that kind of matchup. Uh, you are spending a lot of mana to not affect the board, but I think the you know prioritizing life gain kind of lets you get away with that. Um in those matchups. Uh so for the most part, your strategy is just to, you know, make early value plays, trade wherever you can, gain life to stay alive, and then just assume that eventually you're going to play bigger things than your opponent and start having good attacks. That's just what's going on. Sometimes your opponent will also be kind of a mid-range deck and their or mid-range or control or big deck in some way there your gix's Crass and removal are going to be really important to make sure that like their bombs don't go over the top whatever you're doing but you'll you know just have a bunch of like big stuff and it should be fine one card that i want to note in particular is transmogrant altar that's the three mana artifact you can spend a black and tap it and sacrifice a creature for three colorless mana never seen anyone do that it seems very unlikely that you ever would um, or you can spend two mana and sacrifice a creature to make a 3-3. Three, three. That's the relevant ability. Uh, this card has absolutely atrocious stats, like sub-50%, even when you isolate for black-green. But I've lost to it a couple times, and I've won with it a couple of times. I think it's really impressive if your deck has a good amount of Unearth and also Clay Revenant. I think you don't want to play it with only Clay Revenant, because you need it to be good in a variety of your draws. And it's also like pretty expensive to just use it with Clay Revenant. But if you have a combination of Clay Revenant and a lot of Unearth and uh, self mills that you're finding your Clay Revenant and your Unearth, I've been really impressed with it. It doesn't need to make very many three threes to uh, shut down a game and then have time to make more three threes and then win. It's like not a very large liability, and I think it's a really good trump for any of the like mid-range or slower matchups. I think it's a pretty high value card to have access to. And that's that's basically what I've prepared. You know, I mentioned that I think that this deck is really not looking to get pulled into trying to approach the format aggressively, just because, you know, it's an aggressive format. You are really about doing the thing that you're about, you know, uh, grindy, mid-range, life gain control, inevitability type situation. There are, you know, the potential exists for exceptions to that. Ashnods Harvester is just kind of a great card and an aggressive card uh also you know there are some like good aggressive green and black rares it's not hard to have an aggressive draw with green black and happen to get your opponent on the back foot and like win the game that way i don't think that it's very common that you want to try to structure your entire deck around that so even if you start with you know Ashnod's harvester or some other aggressive cards you can you know maybe slightly more highly prioritize Gaia's gift to put yourself potentially in a situation to take advantage of that. But I think that you should, for most of the draft at least, still kind of expect that you're going to be more in the like uh mid range situation where you expect that in most of your matches, You're going to be the like inevitability deck rather than the aggressive, the aggressive deck. Like, don't position yourself to be the beatdown as like a matter of course. Yeah, that's, that's what I got. So I'm going to turn this over to Twitch chat. For any questions you may have on uh archetype, any particular cards in the archetype, uh, whatever. While I'm waiting for people to give me those questions, I want to thank my newest patrons at Patreon.com/draftingarchetype. Ryan and GNTTNG, thank you very much for your support. If anyone else is interested, of course, as always, check out Patreon.com/slash drafting archetypes for a full list of the benefits that we offer there and to sign up if you're interested first to splash or not to splash i think that this is a format where the gold uncommons in particular are really strong some prototype creatures uh you can kind of like splash the prototype and be able to like cash the expensive version without colored mana which is like a pretty forgiving way to like soft splash that makes it pretty easy to like you know have an evolving wild and one land of that source maybe an energy refractor maybe some other thing um and like splash but also not splash the same card right like you can play a, a combat thresher and like splash the ability to play it as a three drop, but kind of expect that most of the time you're going to have to play it for seven, and that's fine. I do think that this deck splashes relatively well, particularly the combination of Blanchwood, Prowler, and Evolving Wilds, where Prowler, it it, it plays basically the same way as the Farmer in Midnight Hunt, where either your mill three finds the land you were going to Evolving Wilds for or it finds the Evolving Wilds. As long as you have like a good number of Evolving Wilds, like two or three Evolving Wilds, plus some Branchwood Prowlers, you end up with like pretty consistent access to your Splash Color. So I I think that specifically because this deck likes Blanchwood Prowler more than most, you know, isn't really hurt very much by Evolving Wilds because it's not like you're trying to play like one drop, two drop, three drop curves. I think this deck certainly can splash easily also uh refractor is relatively good because you have like a few ways to make power stones and so the like filter power stones into regular mana ability is nice so yeah not difficult to splash if you're looking to but i wouldn't go out of my way to prioritize like being able to splash if i don't already have a card that i want to splash but I would, you know, take a like a half off color, like a Hero of the Dunes type card early and then plan to try to find a way to get it into my deck without moving out of green black, just adding some white mana. Except so if I usually find my green black decks are like 60 to 70% black, is that normal? I usually find that my green and black decks are below 50% green and below 50% black because of artifacts. I guess the question is like, are there particularly more good black cards than good green cards? I It doesn't seem that way to me, like looking at just like the list of the best cards in the archetype. I think it's relatively evenly split. How much is the self-mill theme of this color pair existed for me. Appreciably. I mentioned that I think this deck uses Blanchwood, Prowler, and Gigamol relatively well. And then I like to prioritize like Rager a little bit higher because of it, and Emergency Weld higher because of it. The two three for three that gets counters if you have a bunch of creatures in your graveyard and the other like have three creatures in your graveyard type cards, I think are playable but unimpressive. I guess that's the part that would be like not really coming through for you. And yeah, I, I think that that doesn't really come through. Um, like the four mana, four, five, that uh, uncommon that draws a card when it attacks if you have three creatures in your graveyard, and the two, three that gets counters on it if you have like three creatures in your graveyard are both just sort of unexciting, regardless. Because I think you, you know, want to prioritize the like creatures with ETB abilities and creatures that are good upfront more than you want to prioritize creatures that get better over time so that like you know real small mechanic was like a little bit of a miss why is it every single set people expect the format to be slow just to get destroyed by boros turn four or five i think that it's generally easier to figure out how to draft boros early where you know oh these are the most efficient cheap cards these are the efficient tricks, so I'll put them together. And then slower decks, you need to like figure out like, okay, am I trying, like how much of the format is aggressive? Am I trying to play the cards that like, let me live through that? Which ones do that well? How much do I need to be prepared for other slower decks? Like focus is a bit more split. So that could contribute to like slower decks getting punished early in a format in particular. And I do personally feel like it is often the case that like the aggro decks do overperform, but I feel like the amount that they overperform decreases over time. Could be wrong about that. Do you have to worry about flyers when drafting green-black? I mean, structurally, basically any format, you have to worry about flyers when drafting green-black uh, sometimes. But I think that this set, green-black, is better than normal at dealing with flyers because of the strength of Skyfisher Spider as a reach creature in particular. I get that, you know, it's an uncommon, so it's hard for it to do like for it to seem like it's that impactful, but I think it's like the most common reason to be drafting Green Black in the first place. And then also, just as I mentioned, combining an abundance of life gain with some big creatures uh, is a good way to position yourself against flyers where they can't, ignore your attackers and race you because you have a life cushion and then they like their creatures don't profitably engage in combat with yours because they're like a little bit understated to have flying where yours are a little bit overstated because they're green you know you're going to want some removal for overwhelming remorse for their big flyers and a disfigure for their first flyer to like not get too far behind but i don't think that uh like there there are some formats where green black is just like well I have a really bad matchup against Blue White Flyers and that's all there is to it. And I don't feel like that's the case in this format. You called out Guy's Gift and Overwhelming Remorse and a couple other uh, interaction cards, but no comment on the two green uh, fight spells. Do I think the fight spells are efficient interaction in this archetype? I, I mentioned Guy's Gift, or I mean, uh, Epic Confrontation immediately before Guy's Gift in like commons that perform well according to 17 lands. I, I do think that Epic Confrontation is like, a good green card that plays well in this archetype you want some removal and you have creatures that are big enough to fight most of the things you're looking to fight when they have plus one plus two i have not personally had a chance to play with uh buswack i would be less confident in it as a fight spell but the ability to like also get a land is very good i would often kind of you know try to reduce my land count uh if i had it they're they're both solid cards So for two drops, should we be prioritizing Prowler and not the Sprite or the 2-1 which grows and you sack? I've treated the Sprite as premium early play. I take it that's off plan for black-green or for green-black. Yes, uh, I certainly prioritize Prowler over the uh, sprite and the two-one. You can make it a 2-2 if like your opponent has, you know, like some creature you need to trade off with, but there are a lot of X ones in the format. And then uh like the Prowler is just great where you like get a land and you know stop their 3-1 or 2-1 from attacking profitably. And the land's really valuable because it just helps you uh play your you know prototype stuff, fix your mana, whatever. And uh the self-mill is also relevant for like digging for your stuff to weld back or whatever. I, I prioritize uh Blanchwood Prowler very far above uh Sprite and the 2-1. Uh stats for um green blacks su- uh, definitely support that. I do think Sprite is like a pretty good card in the format, but its abilities are very much um aggressive. Uh you know, like an ability that says your opponent can't block is just not something that you need to be prioritizing in green black. And the like backdoor end game like inevitability that it offers is something that i think you're better off uh, covering with other cards like i think that just having uh, boulder branch golems and then playing big creatures or uh, is like a better way to win eventually than having a two drop that'll scale well because i would rather just like focus on my two drops contributing to like my game plan and extending the game early and then using like actual big creatures to finish black green should be sort of removal heavy i guess how much um how many removal cards would be perfect for the archetype there are some removal spells that i think are overrated like Power Stone fracture i'm not a big fan of the thing that you're sacrificing to it has like pretty real value and it's sorcery speed removal disfigure is like very good uh, early against aggressive decks, but has a lot of matchups where it's not good. I think that it's like good to have one or two disfigures, but I would be afraid of having too many of them. And so I end up thinking of it as like very much a medium common rather than a top tier common. I think that you need cards that keep you alive and that answer bombs. And removal covers both of those categories. I am not really stressed about having you know like fewer like if i have like three removal spells i'm not like oh no this is a disaster i'm not going to be able to kill everything but if i have more than six removal spells that could also be fine it's more about just card quality and you know where you don't have Uh, removal spells have like life gain or something else that's going to keep you alive uh you know like the the combination of life gain and gix's crest that i talked about where life gain keeps you alive filling the role of cheap removal and gix's crest answers bombs filling the role of expensive removal to kind of like mitigate whichever that those you don't have you know like i said overwhelming remorse i'm still going to take over almost everything but if i can't get that i'm going to try to like just have other good cards instead of being like, well, I didn't hit my like overwhelming remorse target. So now I'm just gonna play power stone fractures instead. Um, I, I would rather just have a good card instead of the power stone fracture. And I don't know, figure it out against my opponent's cards. I guess that's to say I'm targeting like rock hard quality more than I'm targeting like a specific mix of creatures and removal in this deck. How are you liking Razormaw in this archetype? Does it help generally as a 4-2 for three or only when you're seriously interested in self-mill? Yeah, it's like pretty medium. I think that a 4-2 has a lot of potential to trade down and a lot of potential to trade up, right? Like anytime you have a lot more power than toughness. If you get into combat with like anything, regardless of whether it costs more mana or less mana, you'll trade. This archetype is in the market to trade. The problem is I think that there are a lot more cheap cards creatures than there are expensive creatures, which means that you're more likely to trade down than trade up in aggregate in the format. And the self mill is nice, but I've also run into spots where I feel like I'm more likely to have too much self-mill than not enough self-mill in terms of, you know, concerns about decking myself. And I think that it's a worse, like, mill enabler than the Prowler and the Gigamall. So all that is to say that I have not been uh, impressed by it in this format. Regarding black green not wanting to be the aggressor is the six five golem better than the four six prototype that gives its attack to things yes definitely the life gain is really important and uh the like boosting other attackers is you know a a thing that you can do but not really in line with your goals not necessary to finding a way to kill your opponent if you choose to be on the draw in a deck with good removal, I mostly play best of one. So a choice about play draw doesn't come up a lot. That said, I think that um, the choose to draw because of good removal is less a function of the quality of your removal and more a function of the cost of your removal. So like disfigure makes me want to be on the draw a lot more than overwhelming remorse makes me want to be on the draw. I think that this is a very dangerous format to choose draw with against an unknown opponent. Um, as I said, aggression is kind of the like default space here. I think the uh, red and white decks are going to be pretty well-equipped to punish you if you're taking the draw more often than you're forced to. So I, I would choose the draw like post-sideboarding in certain known matchups, but I think that there really aren't enough... It's really hard for me to imagine a green-black deck that I would want to choose a draw against an unknown, choose the draw against an unknown opponent with in this format. How does the skull flare fit in this archetype? Is that the two-three that grows over time? If so, it's like a, you know, low-tier, medium playable that you hope not to run. But if you have a bunch of self-mill, it's okay. Regarding life gain, would you ever take trench stalker if you can't find any golems? So. Trench Stalker is well positioned in the format because of the importance of life gain. It uh, performs relatively well among black commons, but not well in green-black. Uh, the issue is that green-black is very bad at triggering it, and you also just have like a lot of other options for, uh, you know, the like medium expensive creatures. Uh, I think I would often rather just play a three, five reach than a uh, trench stalker because like the reach is value valuable and the trench stalker is hard to trigger. If for some reason you had a deck that was very good at triggering trench stalker, you could play it in green black, but early on, I think it's like unlikely enough that that's going to happen. that trench stalker is not going to be a serious consideration for me. I think that, uh, if I feel like I'm short on golems for life gain, It's easier to prioritize Moment of Defiance as far as cards that go later and fill the life gain role than to prioritize Trench Stalker. I think Moment of Defiance is going to perform as well or better than it does in other archetypes, where Trench Stalker is going to perform quite a bit worse. Oh, sorry, I missed a question earlier. How do you deal with go-wide decks? There is a lack of mass removal spells. Just playing creatures on curve. I don't think that there are a lot of cards that are really good at generating like a lot of extra bodies at a particularly threatening rate. And so, if you just play, uh, you know, like your Boulder, your Branchwood Prowlers and Gigamols and Scrapwork Ragers that put kind of like small additional bodies into play while getting extra cards, it your opponent doesn't like meaningfully go wide around you. And then, of course, the life gain uh, means that like if they like alpha strike with like two more creatures than you to get a couple things through, you have the like life to weather that and make generally prof- profitable trades. There is one other question that I want to address, which is, can I post a good example of Black Rain Decks that I've drafted? This podcast is intended for an audio format, so I can't really integrate posting something in with talking. However, if you would like to see examples of good black and re- green decks that I've drafted, my Discord does. Uh, I, I have a channel in my Discord where I post all of my trophy decks from Arena, and uh, there are four different decks that include green and black posted there. That's it for this week. Uh, next week, I intend to open the the poll for what archetype people want me to discuss on the patreon so hopefully i'll have a chance to uh play some drafts where i don't get past multiple Skyfisher spiders and i'll have a chance to uh explore the rest of the format a little bit more thanks for listening and i'll be back next week to to talk about uh whatever wins that poll